Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Well, Mark, hey, I loved our conversation last week. I thought it was uh, really cool to be able to explore and talk about different areas in which, you know, if we could go back in time in our recoveries individually, you know, what we would have done different as addicts. And uh, it was a cool kind of reminiscing experience for me and, and brought to mind, you know, some memories that I had forgotten about. And I'm excited this week because we're going to take that kind of the next level and we're going to have a similar discussion, but uh, it's going to be about uh, marriage. You know, if you and I could go back as addicts in this whole navigating the couple side of the, of the relationship and the issues involved, you know, what would we have done different? Um, I know that for me, I, uh, you know, I spent, I spent well into the five figures on therapy <laughs> in, in my, uh, in, in my, and that's not a joke in, in my recovery process. And I could have, I could have probably kept it to four if, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if 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 uh, I had I'd taken some of the advice and some of the things that we're going to talk about today, because there was so much resistance, especially to this whole concept of recovering the marriage and and the intricacies involved, and so I think this is going to be this is going to be awesome to jump into. Yeah, it's you know, last week was great. You know, what would I have done different in my addiction? Uh, but for many of the people that we work with, and a lot of people listening here, addiction isn't just about me. Addiction has a has an uh, an enormous impact on our spouse. Yes. So if we're going to talk about what would we do different, it has to include a discussion about what would I do different in my relationship, in my yeah. marriage. And so that's uh, that's what we're about today. We're going to talk about that. Love it. And so yeah, let's just launch into it. So um, you know, for me, one of the things I as I look back and reflect. As my wife, as, as uh, before she was my wife, as we were courting and dating, 
Um, I wanted to put forth the, the best foot possible. I wanted to, I wanted to put on the, the right image. I mm-hmm. wanted her to think the best of me, right? I mean, this person's trying to make a decision. Am I going to spend the rest of my life with this guy? So yeah. You want to, you want to be really impressive. And so <clears throat> I was, I was pretty good at that, putting on a show, we might call it. And I know, I know everyone kind of does that to an extent. Sure. I think I carried that probably to the extreme. And today, as you know, my wife and I are in a really super healthy place. But as we look back, we can joke about that now. And she'll often say, there was a time in our marriage where I suddenly looked at you and said, who is this guy? Because this is not the guy I was dating. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And she just talks about how there's a feeling of kind of shock and fear and some betrayal and some anger and like, who are you and what have you done with the guy that I dated? Yeah. So, you know, if I could do something different, uh, I would definitely be more authentic, more transparent in the early part of the relationship, you know, dare to be myself, dare to, dare to peel, you know, to take off the masks, peel back the facades. And I'm just going to let you see me. Yeah. This is who you're marrying. You're marrying me. And I was afraid if she knew that who that was, she wouldn't marry that guy. Mm, so I, so yeah. I had to be somebody else. Yeah. Well, in my, in my history with that was a little bit different from yours, as you know. I, I actually was pretty open with my wife about what we were dealing with uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, I disclosed where I had a pornography problem and things. But while we were still dating, which is, I think I've said before, probably one of the only good things I did <laughs> about recovery before really getting into it um, in a serious way. Um, but even even as I was open about it, right, and, and and as transparent as I could be, I had no idea what the crap I was really dealing with. Neither one of us did. We went into this whole thing terribly naive, um, thinking that we had this little issue that was going to be pretty easy to overcome, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And and uh, for the first while in our marriage, for the first year and a half, there were no issues. Um, I didn't have any issues with with the addiction, largely due to like that novelty, right, of of getting a getting a sexual fix or a sexual release you know in in other ways um but just like you and i've talked about at the end of the day this addiction has very little to do with sex and you know little by little that thing just reared its head and came back in and my wife started expressing the same things like what happened except it was you know our first year of marriage was great like (laughs) what's going on like this is just weird and no husband, I think, wants to hear from their wife. Nobody wants to hear their spouse express buyer's remorse <laughs> yeah, you right. know, about, the, about mm. the marriage. It's one of the hardest, hardest things to hear. And so I'm excited we're jumping into this stuff because uh, hopefully uh, you, you, you men and women out there who are listening, uh, you won't have to reinvent the wheel quite as much as uh, Mark and I are, have had to do. Yeah, we can, we can save you years or decades of trauma and strife in your marriage relationship. You know, if you, if you take a lesson from us and, you know, a lot of people that we've worked with. So let's say, so, you know, along with that, I would have been much more authentic and transparent and and dared to show my wife the real me as Mm, we started to make commitments to each other. Um, Another thing that that I think about as I look back is I was raised, I was raised in a culture where, uh, a man does things himself. 
Mm, you pull yeah. your you pull your yourself up by your bootstraps. You you handle it. You yeah. don't get all touchy feely and start to express all of these deep down emotions and fears and all this other. You know what is all that anyway? I mean, you know the, the joke we often had with for a guy there's only three emotions that exist in the world, right? You're either mad, sad, or glad, and there isn't anything else, and what nothing else matters anyway. Yeah, and so um, I just had this thing where. I had to handle whatever hard things came up. I hand you handle them yourself. Yeah. And that was what was modeled to me by, you know, the, the, the stepdads that kind of raised me, they were the kind of these macho guys and you just, you just got the job done and you didn't yeah. engage other people in it. So I would, I would definitely have tried to get help for that attitude and learned that, you know, me alone is not nearly, uh, not even remotely close to as powerful as this concept of we together. But I didn't know how to do that. I just knew yeah. when things got tough, you hunkered down, you isolated, you gritted your teeth, you clenched your fists, and you just did what you had to do. And yeah. that was very, that was very um, distancing from my wife. She knew something was going on, but I wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't be totally honest or transparent. She just knew that Suddenly, Mark's mood has changed. You know, suddenly he's down. You know, he's closed off. What's going on? I don't know, but something's wrong. Yeah. And I just didn't, uh, I just didn't include her or anyone. I just tried, you know, quote, to handle it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and for me, it was, a, it was kind of a similar upbringing. And then you couple it with, with the culture that you and I have, have been raised in, in many respects, this idea of, you know, it's, it already is kind of a cultural thing in, you know, in a conservative Christian culture of, you know, I'm the one who made the mistake. It's my problem to fix it. Right. And then that gets amplified with this whole man's man concept. <laughs> Not only is it my problem and it's my job to fix it. I, I can't even have emotions about it. It's just handle it. Right. And, <laughs> and I've got to be kind of like the emotional and physical and whatever else, like seal team six in my marriage and just, you know, tackle it all on my own kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's that knight in shining <laughs> armor complex, right? Because that was the struggle for me, you know, as 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 I was in the marriage, it was kind of a, a mix of what you're describing. And then also this idea of, like, my job is to be my wife's protector, right? Protector from all things bad and scary to, you know, make sure that she's happy all the time. And and a lot of guys I know can resonate with that. And if you've been listening to our podcast for a while now, sounds a little like codependency <laughs> um, in, a, in a not so healthy way. And, and it, uh, the, the, the reality is, I think the irony with this approach, because you and I see this in our offices, like with probably most clients, right? Um, I know that's the case for me. There's this initial notion of, for whatever the reason, whatever the logic, like, I got to handle this and keep her isolated from it and whatever else. Now, to be fair, I think that I, I will own the fact that for me, that in part was also also an excuse, right? Not to have to get really vulnerable. Um, but there was that legitimate piece that's just like, you know, I don't, it's not okay to make mistakes. This is not her problem. And, and, the, and the issue with that is the irony is what we're doing out of a place of love is actually the thing that is going to end the marriage quicker than probably the acting out in many cases. Yeah. Right? As you and I've talked about, I've, I mean, I've personally, I've worked with hundreds of women by this point in my career. And I can tell you that hands down, I hear that across the board all the time. 
you know, the, the, the sex piece bothers me, but it's not knowing who this guy is <laughs> kind of going back to what you were saying. Right. I feel like I'm just married to a, a stranger. I had one wife kind of tell me more or less, you know, when, when, when my husband comes home, I can almost envision in my mind, it's like, we're just spinning the the wheel of fortune wheel to see what kind of comes up, you know, yeah. who's, who's coming in the door. <laughs> I don't know who it is. And, uh, and, and that actually is, is much more traumatizing than this attic piece. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing for me. I, there was a, I mean, yeah, there was the part of me that, that was so ashamed and didn't want anyone to know about this. So I kept it hidden and, and, you know, isolated and stealthy, but there was a really legitimate side to me. And I think this is the case for nearly every guy. I really, I really didn't want to hurt my wife. Yes. And, you know, when, when you do, uh, quote, come clean and, and divulge something, they, this hurt look, this painful, dejected look on your wife's face is just enough to kill you. And I would, I would just be, I can't do that to her again. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's legitimate in not wanting to hurt her. But like you said, there was also part of me, that little ego addict brain, that that was a convenient excuse yes. to, not, to not divulge and get help and, you know, get real about this. So it's this strange mix, this strange paradox. I don't want to hurt her. Oh, it just kills me to see the pain in her face. But then I go out and do the very things that hurt her. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah, it's, that's why we call addiction insanity. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> so Absolutely. No, so, you're absolutely right. Even when you walk a wife through that process, right, in that line of mental thinking, they'll, they'll say, I, I guess I could see how that maybe could happen. <laughs> it just sounds really odd to me. Wait, you didn't want to hurt me, but then you went and did what? <laughs> sure. Absolutely. There's, there's a whole dichotomy there. Well, let's talk about how to how to alleviate this then, because I mean, obviously, I think most of our listeners can re- at least at least our male listeners or our addict listeners can definitely resonate to this concept. How do we how do we shift that and make that that shift quicker? I mean, I can tell you that for me, uh, again, going back to this, you know, spending so much more on therapy than needed to, than I needed to. I I unfortunately was so close minded to this idea of being vulnerable and open that I. I, I really that that first probably six months of meeting with my therapist was basically just paying him to strip down my armor. Mm. Right. And that was everything from the shame. Right. Which we're going to talk about here in a little bit to um, to just that the, this whole line of cultural thinking that we had hardwired into us. Right. To even be get, to be to be able to even get to a place where we're actually going to do therapy. Like there was kind of a, it's sort of like an emotional remodel of a house. That first six months was just tearing out the crap so we could actually (laughs) get to work on doing something different. And um, I think that there are a lot of pieces to that. And uh, um, I know these are going to, these bullet points we've got are going to kind of bleed one into the other. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thought on, I mean, what's a good first step for these guys to be able to, to do what we're talking about, to be able to start breaking that down. Hey everybody, Mark and Steve here. Are you looking to take your recovery and your marriage to the next level? We work with individuals and couples one-on-one. 
With both in-person and online therapy options, you have access to the experts anytime, anywhere. To learn more, visit us at pbsepodcast.com. Well, I'll tell you what it was, unfortunately, what it was like for me is I had to get to a really desperate low place where I had literally exhausted every single other option. Yes. There was nothing left. (laughs) And it's like, okay, there's nothing left. I'm about to completely implode. My marriage is on the rocks. My health is shot to hell. Mm -hmm. I got nothing left. You know, maybe I should get some help. (laughs) It's like... Wow. (laughs) That's what it takes for you to get to the place where you're willing to admit you need some help. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like that for me. And so the first step is just to get to the place where you can set your ego and your pride, which are really just protection mechanisms for my own insecurities and my own fears. You got to just set that aside and say, okay, you know what? I, I like to call it cry uncle. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was a kid, we'd get in little tussles and fights and I was so stubborn. You know, if another kid would like get me in a headlock and he's like choking me, you know, ready to choke black me out. Mm -hmm. There was no way I was tapping on the mat or crying uncle. Sure. That guy could choke me into death and I was not going to say I give. Mm -hmm. And I finally got to the place in my addiction now where I said, okay, I, I cry uncle. I give. I got nothing left. And it, it took a lot yeah. Place so I tell guys, you know, get to the place where you're willing to, you know, quote, cry uncle and and give in and say, you know what? I can't do this. I, 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 I'm not capable of handling this. I need help. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, and if I was to kind of add to that, how, how to accelerate that process, because you're right. I mean, the, the, the sad reality is, is that probably the majority of my clients and myself included, right? My story mirrors exactly that in those terms. It was as you and I've talked about many times, we know how to do this process. Well, not just because of training and because of backgrounds and certifications or whatever else. It's because we did it all the wrong flipping ways, (laughs) right? We tried every other way before we finally got to the one that would work. And, and so I, I definitely can, can tie in with that. I mean, if I was to, if I was to kind of add to that, you know, how to accelerate this process, I would probably say the following. Now I give a caveat that if you're going to ask questions in your relationship, and this is just good marriage advice in general, then you need to be prepared for whatever answer you get. Yeah. Um, don't be asking questions if, you, if you're not in a place where you can, you can take those answers and, and not get defensive about them. But, I, you know, some hard questions to ask if your wife is able or in a safe enough place to be vulnerable with you uh, might be, you know, are you scared of me? That's a hard question to ask. But mm. I hear from a lot of wives. They are scared of their husbands, not in and not in that he's going to, you know, physically beat them or, or, or attack them necessarily, but much more so from that place of every time I try to talk to you about something, you shut me down every single time, um, in, in a variety of ways. Right. And I just feel like I, every time I try to, to say something or contribute something or express something, you know, it's just, I, I run into this imaginary invisible but very present like cinder block wall that i just cannot get past right yeah yeah and and i think that comes that that brings up this concept of you know getting behind the anger um yes. you know in, in addiction i i know that anger 
or resentment looks like a lot of different things for different guys. Some guys, they, they shut down. Sometimes they become aggressive, which was my case. Right. But, but the problem is as long as you're hiding behind or, or shielding yourself with the anger, either at yourself, your spouse, your situation, and you're, it's going to limit your ability to be able to ask tough questions like that and to be able to start getting to that process of figuring out what is really going on for you. Yeah, my wife and I have talked about that a lot, you know, now in our, in, in, when we're so healthy. And <clears throat> I asked, I actually asked that tough question that you mentioned. Mm. It was, it was, and what I asked her was when, you know, in our early years, did I intimidate you? Mm. And yeah. her response was, was quick and sure. Yes, you did. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and it was kind of shocking to me. I'm like, wow, really? She's like, yeah, mm. you were very intimidating. Every time I would try to bring something up or express my true feelings or get into a really raw conversation, you would shut me down. You yeah. would just close me off like I didn't matter. Like yeah. you didn't care what I had to say. You wouldn't face it. You wouldn't deal with it. And you, would, you were very intimidating. Yep. And she said, finally, I just settled with the fact that, that that's just the way it was going to be. And she said, I, I basically just, she said, I went about, I had kids to raise. Mm, and so yeah. I just went about raising our kids. Oh, boy. And yeah. I could, I just couldn't, you, you weren't going to, you weren't going to open up or come through. That's a hard thing for a guy to hear. Wow. Oh my gosh, no kidding. You just started, you just raised our kids and we're a mom and just said, he's going to do what he's going to do. I can't, I got kids here. I can't worry about it. Yeah. And it's like, wow, really? You, you actually had to be resigned at that level. Yeah. So that was hard for me to hear. Cause I don't, I didn't consider myself to be an intimidating guy. Mm. I didn't think that I was like being mean or you know, trying to dominate her or any of those things. But boy, I was sure coming across that way. Yeah. As closed minded, as narcissistic, you know, all of the, all of the things. And as I look back, it's like, wow, you know what? That's true. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said, you know, what's under the anger. I would use anger or resentment or being upset as a distraction. Yeah. I didn't have to deal with hard issues or get to my core stuff with my wife. All I had to do was get mad or shut down and it would divert the whole thing yeah. off of the real issue. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a really crafty little ego tactic. Let's just use this extreme emotion and everything, all the focus shifts away from the real issue. Look yeah. at that. It's yeah. magic. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing I think that, you know, is, is the most, damning about this dynamic that we're talking about and why I wish you and I had done it so differently and why we're kind of pleading and imploring with you guys and gals out there to do it differently is because you're you're losing everyone's losing with with doing it the way that we're describing right as long as you're hiding behind the anger because let's just be honest uh, let's let's all level with each other I can tell you that I used to anger was like my sword and shield you know of defense I would just get aggressive and <laughs> put people down and use the superiority tactic and whatever intellectualism with my wife and whatever else I could to not have to look at my own stuff. And, and but the, but the thing of it is, is it was absolutely 100% causing the exact opposite of what I was wanting. Right. I'm because remember I'm doing all this, to, all this to why I'm doing it to protect my wife, quote unquote, right. To a degree I'm doing it because I don't want to burden her to a degree 
And, and so what I'm doing is I'm saying, yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm not going to put this real backpack on your back. But instead, I've got good news for it. I've got a backpack that weighs probably three times as much that I'm going to make you carry instead. Right? It's just, it's, it's shifting that emotional torment in a whole, in a whole other way. Um, and, and, and so you, not only are you not, uh, <laughs> I don't know how else to say this, not all, only are you trying to stop acting out, right? So you're, you're, you're losing, you're having to get rid of your coping mechanism. Not only are you trying to recover, right? And do this alone, which again, let's be honest, being angry is exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting. It just, it, it, it will, I mean, I speak to his personal experience with that. Holding up that wall all the time was exhausting. And then, and, and again, everybody loses because then what, what, what does that all come at a cost of? The intimacy with my wife, the closest with my partner, which was the very thing, that was the very damn thing that I was trying to avoid in the first place. <laughs> yeah, right. We don't want to admit that we're uncomfortable with true intimacy, right? Yes. Into me, you see. Into you, I see. And we're not taught that growing up. That's a scary thing. I'm not going to let you see into me. Are you nuts? Absolutely. You know, yeah. we got to put up facades and masks and go through all these gyrations. And I'll tell you, you know, you mentioned anger. What's under the anger? That wasn't actually my primary strategy. Mm. The strategy I learned growing up from the example of stepfathers was the silent treatment. Mm, yeah. so I would see men when they would get uncomfortable and not want to confront the real issues going on, they would just, they would just go quiet, gotcha. turn into stone, yeah. not, say a, not say a blasted word, not show any emotion. And boy, you want, to, you want to cause trauma to a woman? You want to cause trauma to your wife? Just go into absolute stone cold silence. Absolutely. That is abuse. Mm-hmm. every bit as much as the anger. And so I, you know, I had to, I had to ask myself, okay, so what's under the silence? What's under you retreating and isolating and going, going cold? What's that about? Yeah. And, and, you know, getting to the place where you can actually start to confront that. And you, before we, before this podcast, you and I talked about this, this next concept um, that we have on our list, which ties in perfectly with this. It's about getting into the place in your marriage, and this is what we both agreed we would have done different, becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yep. And it's such a power, you know, we could do like 10 podcasts just on that topic alone. Mm-hmm. But getting to the place where I'm, I'm willing to sit in the crap, I'm willing to get down in the ashes with you, with all the things that we were taught you don't talk about, you don't confront right? Because I have to make sure my wife is perfectly happy all the time. If she doesn't have a smile on her face, something's horribly wrong and I've got to fix it. You know, God forbid we'd actually have to have tough conversations. Yeah. And so, you know, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, like how in the world do you do that? Yeah. There was a time when I would have just looked at you like, you're a crazy person. What are you even talking about? Yeah. Well, it's a great, it's a great question. And it is, a, it's a hard one. And you have to kind of start with a premise that, you know, we've mentioned on our podcast before. As an addict, part of what you have to own, uh, if, if you fit into that category, well, first is just owning you're an addict, right? That's, that, see, <laughs> see podcast episode ones and two for that. Um, but if, but beyond that, it's, it's being able to really, you know, get a, how would I say it? 
it, it's it's about being able to learn to sit in the pain. Yep. Right. Um, because as addicts, we are pain averse. I have yet to run across one who wasn't. People in general are pain averse. Addicts will run from pain at all costs. Um, far more so than even the typical. And when we get in those situations, you know, where our spouse starts to be, they start to express intimacy or closeness or, or an important concept or, or a feeling that they've got, uh, instantly our brain starts bringing to mind, right, all of these ways of shutting that down. Again, aggression, uh, turning off. I, I love what you're talking about with the silent treatment. <laughs> I, I, I regret to say that that was an evolution in my, in, in my addiction. <laughs> I didn't pick that one up till later, but yeah, before my wife and I found recovery, holy cow, it would be like three days of just being like, we would literally walk past each other going up and down the stairs. I only make eye contact with her. Yeah. Awful. <laughs> yeah. I call, I call that married singles. Yes, absolutely. It wasn't even roommates. It was just, it was two people pretending like they both live single in the home. <laughs> and, and if you're talking about getting uncomfortable, it is learning about, it, it is practicing. I think initially where that starts is just practicing it, setting yourself up, sitting yourself down with a conversation and, and, you know, using some coping skills. Again, this is where therapy becomes so important because it, it does take some work to be able to get to this point. But even with just little things, practice start uh, not immediately responding to what your spouse says, right? We're so reactive as addicts. It's just like, you know, to anything. It's not just to this anger stuff. It's to the triggers themselves, right? We're almost like impulsive with it. And being able, there's a real... I'll tell you what, you want to know the best, one of the best ways I could have reduced all this therapy and pain. I probably could have cut this process in half if I had just practiced what I call taking a break, which is at a baseline, simply taking 30 seconds to one minute before you respond to something. <laughs> <laughs> because in my experience, nine times out of 10, people would not say, especially us addicts, we would not say or do or respond in the ways that we do, even if we just gave it that little bit of time. Yeah, just to pause. Yeah, we're we're going to talk more about this next week because we already agreed we're going to continue this. What I do different in my marriage because there's yeah. so much to talk about. Yes, there is. But just this concept of we're we're in such me mode in in this in in marriage and in addiction. I'm so focused on myself. I'm yeah. so I'm so self protective. I'm so fragile, and this is what guys have a hard time admitting. This is what I couldn't admit in my addiction years that I was fragile. Mm, there were yeah. broken parts of me and I would rather die than admit that. Yeah. And so we get into a conversation where you, where my wife begins to talk raw and real ab about what's going on. And immediately I'm so fragile and broken inside. I can't take it. It's yeah. like up goes the shield, up goes the guard and we're in war. It's like, I'm going to totally. protect myself. And so what do we do? She says something and bam, I'm reacting. I'm immediately jumping on her. Because I'm self-protecting. I'm, I'm protecting the fragile, vulnerable, painful parts of me deep down that are driving the addiction in the first place. Yeah. And as soon as any conversation starts to go there to sort of start to peel back those layers, it's like, nope, here comes survival brain, macho brain. We're not going there. In fact, how dare you say that to me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to immediately pounce on you. And it's, it's all about avoidance. It's just, oh, gosh. yeah. 
Yeah, I could, I just could, I could share a hundred examples as you're just talking, you know, there's just like, it's like flashing images I one know, after right? another of <laughs> all these things that I said and did over the years that I wish I could just take back. Um, yeah, there is so much more to cover here, guys. So we'll, uh, but in our spirit of making a commitment to you not to drag these, these podcasts out, we're going to try and <laughs> adhere to our 30 minutes as much as we can. So if we were to give you something to work on this week, I think it would probably be the following. And this would, this first one would be specifically for you addicts out there. Uh, it's an expansion on what we were just talking about. I would recommend if you're, again, if you're able to, this is a huge caveat, but if your marriage, your relationship is in a place where you, you and your spouse are both willing to give it a try, um, set a time, designate it, you know, do some journaling, do use some of the other coping skills we've talked about beforehand. But set a time where you're going to pick one small thing that is hard for, for your, either for your spouse to talk about or for you to own, either one. And then set yourself a timer and try to talk about it for five to 10 minutes and see how it goes. Um, I know that may sound small to the average person, but for an addict, that five or 10 minutes will seem like six eternities um, because it is such an uncomfortable place. Um, so I think that we would, we, would, we would do that and then also... Uh, getting behind that, uh, getting behind that anger piece is important as well. Um, when you start to feel an averseness to what a spouse is expressing to you, right? Be it her own ideas, her own emotions, her own thoughts, and it doesn't even have to be around recovery, right? When you start feeling that averseness, uh, start just paying attention to that. Start using that, utilizing that mindfulness concept that we've talked about and include that in your journaling, right? Like, why am I, my wife is talking about, you know, there's a recipe I really want to make for dinner. Why am I, why is that pissing me off? Like, I'm, you know, like, what about that? Is it, I mean, I think a lot of you're going to, what you're going to find is that in many ways it boils back to that, that insecurity that Mark alluded to. And we'll talk more about that next week as well. Yeah. I liked, I like I like that assignment for everybody, you know, to pick a, pick a, uh, don't pick the big giant firestorm no. issues. No. We're going to sit down and talk about the, the really big stuff. <laughs> just pick something small, some little, yeah. dis, some little disagreement or something that irks you or, you know, just, but, and then when you do sit down, as Steve says, to just talk about it for, for, for t- five or 10 minutes, do adhere to some really basic, basic little principles. In other words, don't talk over each other. You know, mm-hmm. don't, don't go into reactive mode. This isn't a, well, you said, and so I'm going to say, right, this, this whole um, competition or, or reactive thing, just simply give, give each of you the opportunity to just simply express while you're quiet. And I know this is going to be painfully difficult to close <laughs> your mouth and not react or, or, you know, defend or, or question or say, yeah, but you just give them a chance to talk. And when yes. they're, when they've done it and they've talked, now they basically, you know, give the talking stick to you, so to speak. Now you talk and I will listen. Yeah. Just a really basic thing. I just chuckled because the uh, talking <laughs> stick you just talked about, I think I shared this once on another episode. My wife and I actually had to get one. You got we, a talking stick? We had a real deal. <laughs> one of those 99 cent Walmart little clear wands, you know, with the with the glitter in it. Yes. Now, now my nieces and nephews play with it when they come over. But, <laughs> but that little wand, you know, in many ways kind of saved our marriage. 
<laughs> so it's the, the only the person holding the talking stick gets to talk. <laughs> exactly. And when they're done, they'll hand you the talking stick and then you get to talk. Yes, 100%. That's how it works. Yep. Welcome to recovery, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Awesome. Thank, thanks, everybody, for being here. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. See you later. That's all for today. Thanks for joining us. And remember, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety. It's connection. Together, we can do the impossible. To learn more about Mark and Steve and to listen to more podcast episodes, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.